Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host for this week, Mike Gillis. Um, the inmates are running the asylum this week. Um, but joining me, luckily, is uh, uh, 3MA producer and taking the night off from the big chair, uh, Liana Hafer. You're doing great, man. <laughs> and uh, also with us tonight, uh, freelance journalist Rowan Kaiser. Hello. So tonight we are talking about the look ahead at 2023. And so we're going to talk about all of the various strategy games that are coming this year that we have noticed or have somehow been uh, dropped on our heads and uh, we've been made aware of. So um, we've got a big list. Only the good ones. (laughs) Only the ones that sound interesting. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll also be talking presumably about the ones that haven't been announced that uh might be some heavy hitters yeah sure, sure. um yeah we've got whatever to... whatever for access is doing with civilization and total war is what i mean by that <laughs> that's maybe if it seems like paradox might do something but i don't know that one seems less likely they, they could keep patching victoria three that's all i want want their their focus to be on this year i mean maybe we could start there since those are the biggest things sure does that ruin your your life mike (laughs) well i mean i planned everything out so precisely but uh i guess we could probably make a this is the trial by fire we're just immediately (laughs) making you throw all of your notes out to see how you cope this is like an interview uh great okay yeah. yeah we need you to we need you to write out write out what you expect from civilization 7 on a whiteboard <laughs> well that is something that wasn't in the notes so that that probably i think would slot in pretty pretty well before we get to yeah pretty prepared stuff i think um pentagonal yeah, tiles like- <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> You see now now we're getting wild. I think I think it's gonna be the entire game is gonna take place in a hypercube. Um so I like yeah, it. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, well maybe with like a, a scrubber at the bottom of the screen so you can go forward and back in time. Right, yeah. I mean because you, you can only really display effectively three dimensions on a computer screen at a time. So yeah, you'd have to have some way to switch between what what if you have two monitors? <laughs> Ooh, okay so that's interesting so you could you guys play that that ridiculous um time strategy game though akron i think was the name of it where you I, had to I, the the rts with the time travel yeah yeah i never i never got around to that it it sounded a little too much and you know me in rts's <laughs> it's it it's it's a mind-bending experience i I don't know if it's actually a viable game in any way, but I think it's it's I, I love the fact that somebody actually tried to do that. Um, uh, so I guess we could we could reside in the present moment of 2023 and uh, and talk about some of these things. Um, the thing on the top of the list is Fire Emblem Engage, which is um, the might be out by the time you're listening to this, actually. <laughs> It's going back on script. What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. 
hopefully we can uh, we can tidy up the part where I uh, I completely spaced out after I said Fire Emblem engage or not. We could leave it in for fun. Um, uh, I, I'm putting these things on the list so that we'll actually get to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, Fire Emblem engage is very weird because Fire Emblem has gotten so huge lately. It was, you know, we gave it a game of the year. A lot of people gave it a game of the year. Uh, the last incarnate in, incarnation. Incar- if we, the last version. Uh, mm-hmm. Three Houses. Um, it's got spinoff Dynasty Warriors spinoff games. It's got role-playing games, spin- like Persona spinoff games. It's become like its own franchise a la Final Fantasy. And I don't know like anyone who's excited for Engage. I don't know what it is about the way that they've been advertising this or building this up or anything like that. But it just seems to be like, yeah, Fire Emblem's gone completely full anime bullshit and crawled up its own ass and we're not interested. Now, when the game comes out, (laughs) I'm going to assume that this is going to change at least somewhat. Yeah. yeah, even like I, I've been binging Awakening and trying to go back to um, uh, Fates, and I'm not trying to track down codes for Fire Emblem Engage. Part of it is that it doesn't feel real that it's a week away, but part of it is just also like I see those characters' anime hairstyles, and I'm like, this is not necessarily what I had gotten out of Fire Emblem. It was, it's anime levels were at tolerable in the past. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> well, I yeah, I was just on uh, 3MA unofficial sister podcast, Acts of the Blood God, talking about Three Houses and why it kind of broke out of the typical target audience for Fire Emblem. And I just feel like Engage doesn't have a hook like that. Other than, oh, you played Three Houses, and so this is the next thing in that series because uh, three houses was kind of a breakout game i feel like it's what made fire emblem a main main like nintendo series um you know it was it was on a home console it was it it pulled in people who were not weird tactics people like we are um with you know this sort of like school warrior school gimmick and engage seems like it's just kind of going back to more standard fire emblem and I'll definitely play it, but yeah, I'm not like super, super excited about it. Yeah. Like we know. We, we've been talking about maybe doing an, a uh, tactics ogre show or maybe even going back a little bit further to uh, Mario versus rabbits too. And both of those just seem way more interesting to me than this. Do we know anything about how uh, Engage uh, might actually be differentiating itself in terms of mechanics or anything? Or are they just sort of dumping this out it's, and saying, hey, anime, the, don't look. The Engage thing is that like your characters in the game like pull up historical figures who I think are from previous Fire Emblem games as like, you know, their guardian forces like Final Fantasy VIII. They're... The, where they get their powers from are like these other characters. So that's sort of what I mean by it might have crawled up its own ass. Like sometimes that kind of thing can work, but sometimes not so much. Um, yeah, I can imagine somebody who isn't actually deeply familiar with the extensive Fire Emblem library and just dropping into that and having no idea what's going on. And why, why would we care about anything? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, Fire Emblem is like Final Fantasy in that each game is an entirely new story. So that part is uh, that part has worked for them. And like to disagree slightly with Lynn, uh, I don't think that Three Houses was the game that like made Fire Emblem that. I think that's a process that started with Awakening. And the thing that it did was making your characters be able to kiss each other. Uh, yeah. When they fought, ne- when they fought next to one another, they would have their friendship meters go up, and when their friendship meters went up high enough, they could do things like if it was opposite sex, boo, then they would be in a relationship. Uh, depending on uh, which game it was, like you could have like special friendships for uh, same sex characters or whatever. But uh, yeah, the idea that that you would have these interactions between the characters outside of their discussions. So this is a thing that's become increasingly important in tactics games since. Like it's it's kind of become a immediate selling point um, when XCOM two started like making vague uh attempts at it and then mods tried to do things that made it more more specific i think they started in xcom one but they they there were definitely lots of like let's make let's make this a little more fire emblem me in xcom two like these are this is a trend that has made fire emblem like a big thing it's it basically says hey fandom why don't you come join us and fandom has said okay we would love that uh and yeah so this this game seems like it's for the fans. Oh, I don't know. I am fairly fanny about <laughs> the last few Fire Emblems. I thought Fates was a, a big mess, but uh, Awakening and Three Houses were both fantastic and slightly smaller messes. Uh, but yeah, this one, I don't know. But maybe we should track down codes and we'll in a week we'll be back saying that this game has blown our minds. Could be. Could be. Uh, yeah. the I'm looking through this uh, this bag of segues I have, and uh, between Fire Emblem and Companies of Company of Heroes Two, there's not a whole lot I can get with. But uh, but Companies of Heroes Two is the next on the list three. that we have. Company of Heroes the, Three, yeah. three, three. That I, the that's... great thing about this concept is that we're just going through this shit chronologically, so you could just say next on the list. And it's yes. a perfect segue. Yes, I could, but I, I wanted to uh, lampshade the oh, fact that I have yeah, some of these. Some of these we definitely <laughs> can. We yeah. definitely can figure some fun shit out. Um, yeah, Company of Heroes. I, I feel like I've written so much about Company of Heroes three that I don't have anything left to say about it. Um, <laughs> other than you know, it's okay. Lynn, I haven't paid any attention to Company of Heroes in any way whatsoever, other than that people occasionally post links about it in the 3MA Discord. Sell me on why the fuck I should care. (laughs) Um, It's more Company of Heroes. (laughs) Did you like Company of Heroes too? I Um, played a little bit uh, of Company of Heroes 1, and my, my girlfriend at the time did not like gun noises. And it turns out that a World War II game has a lot of gun noises. And I was not like so mesmerized that I started using headphones or anything. I just sort of went away. You know me in real-time strategy games. Yeah, there there can sometimes be upwards of two or three gun noises at a time. It's, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, no, um, yeah, it's, it feels like it, it definitely, I mean, to, to use a very, 
cliched like games industry term. It very much feels like an evolution, not a revolution of the Company of Heroes formula. But I like Company of Heroes. So, you know, I've I've had fun with it. Little slices I've played. Um, It's been delayed a few times. I think that was a good thing. I think that they had some things to work out on the campaign layer. I'm not still not sure if they have worked those out yet. Uh, cause they're trying to do this big open ended, like kind of almost total war style campaign map for the first time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that Fraser and Rob tried to convince me of when we had a show, I yeah. think about dynamic campaigns was that one of the company of heroes two incarnations had a really good one. Oh, uh, are, are you talking about our assault? Yes. Cause that was, yeah. Our assault was great. Our assault was probably one of the best expand alones for an rts that i've played um this is well, a much i definitely more... bought it on steam for four bucks and then never actually clicked play yeah this is a much more ambitious version of that and we'll see if it all comes together um at the, but but the rts side is 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 it's it's what you would want from Company of Heroes, or at least what I would want from Company of Heroes. Okay, um, how how does the economy work in this? Because obviously, at least I hope, obviously, you aren't like building a base in your mines and your lumber people. No, you're so you're going up. Uh, well, there's two campaigns. One of them is the, a Rommel campaign. That's it's like a linear traditional RTS campaign. Uh, the Allied campaign. You're you're moving up. Italy and you're capturing settlements that um, you don't like build them up as economic hubs the way you would in Total War but like uh, one of them might be an air base one of them might be like a supply base and one of them uh, there's like partisan cells is another type that you can capture and then you can use them to deploy things that you have unlocked on like the greater campaign unlock tree so there's not a lot of like, oh, I've got to go into Salerno and like upgrade my barracks or whatever. It's not like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, per, that's per good. Turn this is not a thing that, yeah, this is not a thing that fits the uh, fits the setting very well. No, no. When I say Total War, I just mean it's a big 3D map. And instead of armies, oh, you have companies and, and you just can move them around wherever you want. All right, so next up, we've got something that I feel like could go either way, Frostpunk 2. Um, so what do we know about Frostpunk 2 so far? Because I feel like I haven't seen a whole lot aside from the name. Well, it is, I believe it takes place after Frostpunk 1, which is kind of an interesting concept because... Presumably the world is, is getting even shittier. <laughs> is, it is does sort of tend the impression to do that. that I got. Um, <laughs> they're adding oil as a resource. They've talked about a fair bit. Um, so, you know, you're going to be building oil rigs and things like that. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if they continue a, like. Because Frostpunk ended up being like a lot more story driven than I expected. When yeah, I absolutely. when I eventually played it, uh, like there is kind of a campaign that you get to the end of 
and then they have those little DLC episodes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if Frostpunk one was about like hanging to the very verge of survival in a world that is pretty fucked up and broken and things have only gotten worse <laughs> since then, um, like, I'm curious what what the upshot of Frostpunk two is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because I. I I played Frostpunk and I enjoyed it and it definitely was uh, a well-produced solid game. Um, but I, I feel like I felt, and I think I heard a lot of other people saying that they, they got to the end of Frostpunk and they were like, this is, I've, I've played enough Frostpunk. I don't really feel like it's got much replayability because of that story driven aspect. And um, maybe this is uh really compelling story maybe they do successfully like zoom out the camera so that you are thinking in in a bigger sense and it's not just a city um but yeah i i, I wish they had more information out about it it seems like it would be nice to know where they're trying to take it i bounced off frostpunk one a few times and would not hate it if this one didn't do whatever Frostpunk one did, but made me not keep my attention on it. That's my take. Where, where did you uh, Where did you end up bouncing off of the first one? Like, do you remember? It's usually, like, usually like two or three hours in, not very far. Just like after I played the first sitting, saved, quit, and never went back. Did you get not to the point? Any, not out of any intentionality. Just like I never clicked on it again. Did you get to the point where you have to like choose between religion and nationalism basically to I did not thinking? get like a specific choice like that. I had several choices that were, you know, sort of leading along that path. Okay. Cuz eventually it like it basically presents you with these two talent trees of like how are you going to keep your society together and one of them is religion and one of them is fascism. Um <laughs> <laughs> two of my least favorite things uh but yeah it, and the uh, third option is trying to be like frost Rome. there you go yeah uh apparently you can beat Frostpunk without taking any either of those talent trees but that's one of those like weird things that like speedrunners do so i i've never tried it but i guess it's theoretically possible um yeah, so I'll I'll be interested to see like are they going to continue that? Are they going to add more potential ideologies for how you could shape the society? I don't know. The the trailer has like a guy who's like dead in the snow that has lyre painted on his chest in oil, which and and not much of anything else. Yeah, I mean it's like I don't know. <laughs> it seems like one of those you know those those movie podcasts where they're trying to like uh circle stuff in the thumbnail of like did you notice this it's like are we going to be scapegoating people to be our uh to 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 take the burden of the ills that face our society yeah it's there's not a lot to go on yet yeah what if they had a frostpunk 2 without any conflict i just want them to fall in <laughs> love with the frost yeah yeah it's like yeah we've we've learned We've learned our lesson now, and uh, it's not so bad. It's just put a coat on. Jesus yeah, Christ. Just, just wear a hat. It's fine. <laughs> uh, 
yeah. okay. Speaking of wearing hats, I'll get better at segues eventually. Homeworld three. <laughs> um, the first of the many space entries on the list. <laughs> you know us I, now. We watch. We love space games. Yeah. Although I've I have actually gotten to play this one, and it was over Parsec, which sucks. But other than that, um, I actually really like it. Um, I like the way they're using terrain. I feel like they figured out a way to do the 3D movement orders that is not like super counterintuitive um, like it could be in the first two home worlds. Uh, this one's shaping up to be pretty cool, in my opinion. And uh, I mean, we all I think we mostly all love Deserts of Karak and it's it's some of the same people who worked on that. So, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah you can see in the trailer they've used uh, they've really highlighted the fact that they've got complex geometry. Um, and that's, you know, one of the, the most common complaints on 3MA, uh, specifically about space is the lack of, of terrain and environment to, to actually add variety to things. So that is very exciting, actually. Yeah. The mission I played, there was like this giant space Hulk type thing that had like two big tunnels dug through it perpendicular to each other so they met it was like a plus sign and you could actually send fighters down into those tunnels to like contest that space inside this larger structure um and then whoever won that could use it to like launch sorties against the enemy um so it's pretty interesting i'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with the map design did you get a sense of um how much they're thinking about multiplayer? I don't recall. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there will be multiplayer, but I don't think we talked about that specifically. Mm. Yeah, I see it on the list of, of features here that they're they're you know they're they are thinking about it, and I I feel like there hasn't been something in a while that's really captured people's imagination about head to head RTS or or free for all RTS. That sounds really like maps like that would lend themselves to it if if um if that's what they're going for. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I Homeworld sits in that uh category of a space game that has done something interesting and an RTS that has done something interesting. Uh so I am cautiously optimistic about this, but more significantly optimistic since the deserts of cracked people are working on it and hopefully they do a little better job of uh designing the story than that game had <laughs> because the the actual levels were really interesting but and the way that the game played felt good but uh there was just really really boring conveyance of what the story was actually saying well xenonauts 2 is uh another heavy hitter on our our big list and um i am fairly fascinated by the entire sort of xenonauts sega um the xenonauts is the first game uh we're talking about today that is published by hooded horse and we're probably going to talk more about hooded horse later so i'm not going to get into that yet but it's an interesting thing to note and remember later um but i believe the development on this started before that publisher picked it up because it's uh xenonauts has been this fan driven um 
XCOM uh, re-implementation, I want to say. Um, that XCOM with the hyphen. Yes, to be yes, clear, that is important. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It it was it was it's it's the XCOM for people who do not like Paraxis XCOM because it was not enough like you know original XCOM. It's it's more trying to keep in the tradition of like the old XCOM UFO defense games. I assume most people who listen to this show are probably familiar with the first. The first thing you know, nots, but I, I think it's a requirement when you download the podcast, it checks. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Lynn, yeah. Didn't I, wasn't this when I passed the IGN strategy reviewer to you and forced you to review Xenonauts or was that Dan who took that one on? No, I think that was Dan. I think he would yeah. take anything XCOM related uh, generally. It, yeah, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm looking at this game, and I'm okay with someone else deciding if it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, I have the, no problem with original XCOM. Original XCOM was great, but we there are reasons that we go and play, or at least I go and play uh, the XCOM revamp remake series instead of going back to the 1994 version and if i did go back to the 1994 version i would definitely try the x pirates mod which is about (laughs) gay body modifications Uh, does it still have is it aliens versus pirates or is it like a completely different it's like it's like 200 years after the original XCOM or something. It's some some long period of time so like all the technology and all the sides have gotten put together they're, they're all they're all sort of, you know, merged slightly. Uh, and I know some people who absolutely adore it, even even still today. I think Sin is a big fan. Yeah, well, I like I think that the Fraxis XCOM games are just like some of the best strategy games ever made. So obviously I didn't have any complaints where I was like, oh, I wish this was more like a game that came out when I was a baby. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, 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 um, I've played a little bit of the first Xenonauts and I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I might prefer for, for Axis XCOM as sacrilegious as that might be to some listeners. Um, and I'll definitely play this one too. Um, I mean, I'm know. interested. I played XCOMs. Yeah. I played Jagged Alliances, Jagged's Alliance. Like, right. This is, yeah. This is a thing that I'm familiar with, and if it's great, I will be completely down with it. I just would like someone else to see if it's great. <laughs> well, I like, I do like the larger squads. I do like that uh, that it takes like more of a strategic long war focus. But the fact that there are very good long war mods for both of the modern XCOM games makes it so that that is not a monopoly that Xenonauts holds. Um, the idea that like, okay, you're gonna have you know, a hundred, a hundred people on your team over the course of a game and most of them are going to die is, I think, a, a criticism. A lot of original XCOM fans, you know, they wanted that more than, you know, if you just play vanilla enemy unknown, it's like your first four soldiers just become superhuman and they're the Avengers and they take you through to the end of the game. If you don't. Yeah. Stupid yeah. yeah. The, the thing um, with original XCOM that always did it for me was that. Uh, it just, it felt so, 
I, well, okay, I played it. I was a lot younger, so things were generally more terrifying for me. <laughs> but I think also um, they did a really good job at um, at making it the pacing that was built into the fact that the maps were bigger and that almost everybody was going to die and um, that kind of of tension that was built up. I think it's just, it's a slightly different flavor of tension that the Firaxis games do. I still think I like completely agree. The Firaxis um, XCOM is incredible and, and Jake Solomon is a genius, um, but it's, it's just, it's just a little different. So that's, that's Xenonauts is this other parallel track of evolution. Um, I do get the sense that they've, obviously you know looked at xcom the new xcom and and xcom 2 and thought about what kinds of aspects of those they might be able to pull in like broadening out the strategy layer in in an interesting way um and yeah i'm just interested i i think it it's interesting just the fact that xenonauts exists at all whatever happened to those long war people did they do anything they not that made, i know of no th- they made Terra Invicta, didn't they? Yeah, we're 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 joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, just my just my strategy game of the year from last year. If you listened okay. to the last podcast, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Terra Invicta is my is my ideal XCOM. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind having tactical land battles uh, instead of the space combat that I always put on autopilot. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Xenonauts 2, definitely keeping an eye on it. Um, yeah, I mean, so I did sound skeptical of it, and I am I'm skeptical of most of these things, but this one, it does, the positive thing I can say about this is that, like, original XCOM from 1994, while it did eventually lead to, you know, total conversion mods, and it did eventually lead to the reboot, the sequels were somewhat dubious, I thought Terror from the Deep had a lot of interesting ideas, but had some really, really annoying uh, design campaign structure flaws where like at the end of every month, it would give you uh, an incredibly difficult mission. And if you failed it, it was game over. Um, That was, yeah, I I intensely dislike Terror from the Deep from that perspective. So something like this, you know, carrying on that torch is pretty potentially exciting. It's just that we also have the torch being carried on in other ways that have taken up a lot, a lot, a lot of time. (laughs) Right, right. So does somebody want to talk to this item here on the list, which is civilization question mark? (laughs) This is sort of looping back to where are these series? We didn't talk about earlier. Where where are these beloved series that have not announced anything, but we have very good reason to believe that they're working on something? I mean, I, I think they've said they're working on a future civilization. They just have not said what where they're at in that process. But I mean, the big thing here is that every previous iteration of Civilization has had a sequel by now. Like this is now the longest we have gone between civilizations. Uh, I think it's seven years now it was 2016 that civilization six came out that sounds right yeah and and civilization six was a little 
dubiously received. I think a lot of people didn't necessarily think that it was either different enough or better enough than Civilization V. I tend to believe that it was, but I know I'm in a relative minority in that respect. Well, uh, and I know also, of... like, I didn't fall completely in love with it. I just liked it a little bit better than Five, which I didn't like all that much. So, wait, there's there's both like a reason for a new civilization to exist and just a time frame for it to exist. Maybe, maybe Civ Seven needs to come out first before this will start to happen. But I know a lot of people who still to this day say Civ Four is their favorite Civ of all time. Yeah, I know a lot of people who still say to this day that Civ Five is their favorite Civ of all time. I don't know a lot of people who say Civ Six is their favorite of all time, or they'll be like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess." I know at the I mean, end of the day, it's six, but they're not like excited to say that, you know, Civ six is my favorite. Whereas, you know, people will be like, no, four was the shit and everything after that sucked. So. Where did you get this quote of me? Um. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, this is a situation where the series has gotten more convenient, even as it might be getting worse from a game design perspective. Uh, things like one unit per hex is just so much more fun to play than the doom stacks of previous civilizations i don't necessarily like everything else about them i know that you couldn't just make civilization four into one unit per tile but i still strongly prefer it just from like an aesthetic emotional standpoint of like this is the way it should work i don't know if i can go back um so that's sort of an issue with the series but also it's civilization is no longer anywhere near the only game in town um you know from 1991 to 2010 it was probably by far my most played series and now i have so many new things that i haven't even clicked on that it's difficult for me to say yeah i'm gonna i'm really gonna go get into civilization six this week this is this is my thing like why would I choose that in front of the one that's next on the list, Total War? Uh, let alone, you know, I haven't really scratched Dwarf Fortress that much. I still need to play Mario and Rabbids, all these things. Like Civilization has a lot more just attention competition in a strategy game, never-ending, play these things for 800 hours kind of world. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I think they needed to put it on ice for a while because, you know, what what are you going to do in Civilization Seven that actually differentiates it from from those things that are that are coming out yeah. that are very close to the Civilization formula already, but doing their own takes on it. And if Civilization Seven comes out and it's just we did it again, but the graphics are shinier and um, uh, the tiles are a different shape, right? Like it's, uh, I know that's, that's, uh, that's facetious. I think that the move to hexes was, was good actually, but um, there, there has to be some pull where you feel like um, that there's a reason that this is the headline um series for for axis that this built the company and that this is it feels again like the only game in town like they're changing the the way that they approach uh playing out 
history on the earth over a long historical scale that it feels like nobody else could have done this. And I think until they have an idea that is like that, um, maybe just, just leave it on the shelf until you can, you can come up with an idea like that. You're so optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I do think part of the delay was Anton Stringer leaving Praxis what seemed like kind of suddenly, I mean, a month after I did an interview with him for my civilization lead designer retrospective, he wasn't there anymore. I think by the time the article published, he wasn't there anymore um, because it did seem like they were kind of building him up to be the next guy. The very same way that, you know, they had handed the torch several times before. Um, right. So I don't even know who's going to be leading the charge on Civ 7, are they going to break with tradition and just have, okay, Ed Beach is going to do another one? Or, you know, are they going to find somebody else in the company? Are they going to bring someone in from the modding community? What tradition for people who don't necessarily know? (laughs) Well, the the tradition of having a different lead designer for every Civilization game, which so far has been the case. Sid is still there. Maybe it's time for Sid to do another one. <laughs> let's let's see Sid Meier's take on Civilization 30 years later or something. Sid Meier's yeah. Sid Meier's Civilization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to know. How well, is his did. idea? I mean, yeah. He got to try it again in Civilization Revolution, so that's what we get. We have, have to go play the console version of it. Oh, well, that's fine. I mean, it doesn't have to look like any previous Civ. Just, you know, give us something cool. I mean, Sid is good at slashing the things that don't end up feeling necessary. Like this is this is a skill that he has, whether he still has it, whether he could still get through it with today's business environment, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, that's something that maybe the series could do well to have. Why is religion in this game? Does religion need to be in this game? Is religion (laughs) adding anything like what are these are? These are some questions that are worth asking. you know, not just religion, but everything else. Like when Civilization VI came out, there was, uh, I think annoyingly, they started using like a quote from Dan Stapleton's IGN review where he said that this was like the most fully featured civilization to ever come out, which is technically true if it's like, yes, these here's the boxes that a civilization and its expansions need to check. They need to check religion. They need to check uh, trade. They need to check, you know, social victories uh but maybe they don't like maybe these maybe these are things that are technically nice to have in the game but maybe they're just spaghetti in a lot of ways and someone might need to slash them out of there um and i do think that like civilization six feeling kind of like both both underwhelming and a little bloated is probably too strong a word but a little too just like too much too much over designed uh, maybe that yeah that might be a yeah. way to put it like yeah like i think that a back to basics kind of sieve coming out now uh would possibly go a long way um like we saw we saw two big attempts at competition with uh old world and humankind and they're not doing the back to basics type of thing they're they're doing uh equivalent complexity or in old world's case like a narrower version of the same complexity um the narrower focus proved to be really really good for old world and i think that civ might want to try to figure out what sort of things it can narrow to yeah 
have a feeling of like accuracy presence and not kind of a generic this is all history at once type of feeling so we'll have to now address the even bigger elephant in the room which is uh total war three question marks multiple elephants there are at least (laughs) at least two total war games in development right now that we don't know what they are um I I mean, one of them could be some like spinoff. We we don't know, but I must I know at least one of them is whatever the Total War Warhammer three people were being moved off of Total War Warhammer three to work on. So that's presumably a main series Total War game. Um, I mean, I think we can assume that one of them is definitely going to be a Three Kingdoms sequel remake. I hope I hope so. Are they going to go the Kawaii Tecmo route? Where they're just gonna release Total War Three Kingdoms two, and then like three later's Total War Total War Three Kingdoms three, and then three years later Total War King Three Kingdoms four. Uh, I, I, I saw somebody yeah. arguing that the Chinese market is basically like built around that instead of yeah. the Western kind of expansion market, which I guess like if you feel like you could do various takes on the same thing i will eat that slop i don't know if everyone (laughs) will but i think enough people will um whether i'll eat the slop every time i don't know but i would definitely play a version of total war three kingdoms with say functioning gates uh i was gonna say maybe if they get enough at bats they'll figure out how to make gates work yeah so. Yeah, there's so many things they could have done that they just decided. I mean, that's that's why that whole bit of them walking away from th- the Total War Three Kingdoms seemed so ridiculous is because, hey, like you could do all of these things. Um, so I would I would also eat the slop. I I, I will admit that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, more of that, please. Um and chaos, chaos dwarfs are obviously coming. I'm gonna say I'll yeah, put my I prediction think, I think here. Let's let's stick with the the potential mainline games for a second before yeah, we go into the immortal sure. empires. Uh, yeah, like the dream here would be for 40k, but I, still I feel don't like no, I I feel like Games know? Workshop like announces these things beforehand, but maybe they've worked with uh sega and creative assembly enough that they'd be like oh yeah we can keep that under wraps but i went i went back and looked up like the original total war three or not three kingdoms total warhammer uh timeline and they announced that the license had been given to creative assembly like a year and a half before total war warhammer even started being shown uh so I would suspect they would announce 40k, but that is a dream for a lot of people. Uh, I I just I think it I, would be pretty exciting, and I'm not a 40k person. I think it would need to be so different. You need like terrain, you need cover, you need structures. I mean, I guess they've done they've done better with structures in Warhammer Three, um, with some especially some of the Cathay settlement layouts are pretty cool, but. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I believe 40k Total War would work. Um at least not if it was I don't what I don't want to see is I don't want to see, okay, this is Total War Warhammer, but all the units are ranged and they're just gonna line up and shoot at each other. Like that I don't think would be a very interesting game. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, Presumably I, I, that's a nut they would want to crack, but yeah. Um, but if they, if, if they have, you know, all of these other um, franchises that are rolling that as well as they are, and then they have some people, maybe they can set off in the corner and say, can you figure out what to do with space? Um, and I could imagine um, something along those lines where the, the, there, there's so many interesting directions you could go with that, right? Where um, you're, you're exploring all of the various sort of planetary settings and weird locations that you could possibly have in, in 40K. And I would have thought all of this was completely insane to even consider, but the other day I was uh, watching some video where where somebody was scrolling all the way from one end to the other of the immortal empires map and it takes a very 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 long time <laughs> there's so much yeah uh, yeah and so if they're if they're able to build that much content into a game then maybe there is some way you could you could make the 40k setting actually practicable and and get in that direction it's 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 a fascinating idea you could also do the sorts of Dawn of War type of things where they just put all the factions on the same planet and everyone's fighting for this for some magical object. Go for it. Um, uh, it just seems so disappointing yeah. compared to what they could do. I I mean, yeah, a magical space thing that magically works. <laughs> <laughs> to use a different form of magic. I don't have uh, to make it. I just have to imagine it. So I'm the yeah. idea guy. Oh man, yeah. All right, you're fired. Do a whole episode on our completely unrealistic game ideas that uh, could never actually happen. Um, it, yeah. it has it three question very, marks, you, Rowan. Anything? Uh, yeah. Can so the third, the third <laughs> question mark is for. Oh, let's. There's also, you know, potentially historical totals war. Yeah, uh, our friend uh, Gary probably... will never shut up and le- until they put out another historical total war. So, yeah, I'm not talking about Gary. Um, <laughs> Gary is wrong. That's <laughs> Gary needs I, to I play know. Total Warhammer. He uh, does. I agree. <laughs> it's it's probably been enough time they could do Rome three. Uh, that seems imminently plausible they seem to have cracked at least part of the chinese market enough that there's a lot of history in china that's not three kingdoms um Mm -hmm. medieval three i would i would think we i would think we'd see medieval three before we'll see a rome three but who knows um Uh, total genghis khan that could be cool that could be very cool um yeah i would love to see i'd love to see a medieval three that iterates on some of my favorite parts of the attila campaign where it takes things like you know arable land <laughs> into into consideration um you know may, maybe do a black death campaign where the black death moves across europe and you know you have to deal with that um Interesting scenarios. <laughs> Boss interesting fights against the Black Death. Okay. Well, I I'm just it. I want I want interesting campaign scenarios that aren't entirely driven by and even Immortal Empires has started to do this to some degree. Like 
oh, now there is a super faction and they have a million soldiers and they're coming to get you. Like I, that, that is not necessarily interesting to me. Um, you know, it, it can produce interesting results, um, you know, particularly if you have, you know, chaos factions that desolate the earth as they pass, which does have that effect of like shrinking the effective play space, uh, similar to how the climate stuff did in Attila. Um, but I think that I, I want to see I want to see challenges that aren't just big, scary army that I have to fight. Um, you you or, can turn the dwarf cloning machine off. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can do that. Um, yeah, chaos dwarves are definitely coming. I'm going to put out my prediction right here that in the next 30 days, they will start teasing that. And within the next 60 days, we'll have a release date. Um, it's the worst kept secret ever. I thought it was hilarious when I talked to them last that they're, they're not allowed to say chaos dwarfs when everybody knows it's happening but i mean this whatever. is this is the whatever. thing like they they promised at the start of the whole warhammer project yeah. that they would have everything from the uh 6th and 7th edition uh army books and chaos dwarves is the only one that's not that's of those that's not there and they have several now that were not there that they've added so unless they just feel like they can't do chaos dwarves and they will go back on that promise, which is eminently plausible. I had seen lots of things saying the Chaos Dwarves were scheduled for Warhammer 2 and not 3. So, you know, maybe they're just too tough of a nut to crack. But yes, mm -hmm. Chaos Dwarves yeah. should be coming. Uh, as we've noted, like a lot of the signs, I don't know if we've noted this on any show, but a lot of the signs seem to be pointing towards the, the Border Lords or whatever they are. Oh yeah, the uh the yeah, like the like Astalia and Tilia and the Border Princes. Yeah. Uh, the Southern fake Mediterranean realms, is what they're called, yeah. The fake Mediterranean uh yeah. seems to be a thing that is fairly likely. It's one of the big gaps on the map where there's like a kind of accessory uh factions there. The secondary ogres are there, some tertiary mm -hmm. skaven are there. Uh the only one that's really like the a main a main incarnation of that faction, I think, is uh uh Aranessa Salt Spite. And uh, it would allow them to really fix her roster too, because the current lore is just she's recruited some end undead because reasons. <laughs> like it would make more sense if she actually had mortal pirate units that she could use. So Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. And, you know, they have done a good job of doing stuff that people haven't predicted. They've got they've got cafe. They've got like a really interesting keys left, not just a, an empire reskin keys left. They've got the zombie pirates. I have a lot of faith that the things that we can't predict out of immortal empires will be relatively interesting. Uh, yeah. Additions. All right. Relatively interesting. Uh, put it on the back of the box. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, and you, you also like, said there's a vampire, a revamp coming, right? Well, they were also really cagey about that. But yes, it seems very likely that the next major existing faction to get a big revamp is going to be the vampire counts. Um, so, yeah. 
that'll be cool. I feel like they kind of landed in a weird spot with Immortal Empires where they to balance them against some of the demons and stuff they had to they had to mitigate some of their uniqueness and I would like to see them find a way to inject that back in in a way that just doesn't make them totally stupid in certain matchups. So yeah, I would I would like to give the vampires another go someday, so I'm excited for that. There are so many things in Total War. We I, I feel like we could talk <laughs> about potential Total War things that could come out for an hour. Just Probably. Yeah. Um but we have all these other things on the list that we haven't even talked about. So though we we've gotten so through So why aren't you talking about them? <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten through the big hitters. Um, but there's a lot of these, uh, what we've called the middleweight division (laughs) that, um, that are interesting and have piqued some curiosity. Um, can either of you tell me about Tortuga? Yeah, well, this is, this is a, definitely a, a game that is trying to be sort of a spiritual successor to Sid Meier's Pirates, which would not be the first time. Someone has tried it, but I don't think anyone has quite yet ever done it, you know, really well. Um, So they don't have a lot of information out yet, but it's it's going to be in the Caribbean. You're going to sail around. You're going to have tactical ship battles. You're going to have to keep your crew happy. All that stuff. Um, Based naval battles. This is wild. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, so, I mean, do, does this. Rowan, I believe you've said in the past that Sid Meier's Pirates might be your favorite game of all time. Is that true? No, no, no. It's not might be my favorite game of the all t- of all time. It's clearly and canonically the greatest single game of all time. OK, all right. So does this excite you is my question. Do you feel like this has the right spices to be? <laughs> You know, uh, a modern, a modern Sid Meier's Pirates. Just looking through like how they're describing it and talking about it, it does look more promising than my initial skepticism. Uh, most attempts to do Sid Meier's Pirates have like just kind of tried to add a little bit too much complexity. Sid Meier's Pirates doesn't need like a really robust trading simulation. Uh, it doesn't need like and this is something that the 2003 version kind of struggled with, but it doesn't need like a big overarching plot. It just needs to be a really fun little toy box. And I think that as long as they're not trying to sit here and promise that you're doing all these things in a massively multiplayer world, or you're doing all these things uh, in order to, get to the next cutscene or whatever. Yeah, they seem to they seem to have the right idea of what makes us admire's pirates good. Um whether that all comes out, whether that needs the Sid Meier magic of making his games play fast and fun every time even when they're completely different styles of games. I don't know. But yeah, I I'm, I'm glad someone's making an attempt at it. If Fraxis isn't gonna <laughs> maybe that's uh maybe that's uh the next okay so i want i want to be able to date all of my favorite marvel heroes on a pirate ship 
that's, <laughs> that's the next game I want to see from uh, from Jake Solomon. Um, yeah, makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it ended up working, uh, so I don't know. Keep it up, guys. Uh, Aliens: Dark Descent is a RTS, apparently with uh, with the Alien license that is coming out, published by Focus Entertainment. That's interesting. And it's the <laughs> the, the Battlefleet Gothic guys is are making it, which is the main reason I thought it was interesting. Um, because if it was just oh we're making an Aliens RTS, I'd be like, well. I don't know, eight out of ten, nine out of ten licensed aliens games are bad, so <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> worth looking at, but uh yeah, it's it's a team that I have seen do good licensed tactics games before. Um I ended up liking Starship Troopers Terran Command more than I thought I would. Um and this looks like it might be kind of a similar um <clears throat> small squad sort of positioning based you're going through dark corridors and stuff so i don't know i I don't feel like i need more of the aliens franchise in my life desperately but you know this this is looking pretty slick the sort of key thing is that no one has actually done a really good aliens game aliens with the the um, money s i even though Aliens is like one of the most important video game influential things of all time. Like I used to joke that every video game was either Alien or Aliens. Uh, so like, I don't, I don't mind people making another attempt at it, but yeah, there's a lot of reason to be skeptical given previous uh, goes at doing squad based combat against aliens though those were usually more action and less strategy um but this does generally look like it has the right idea uh how big the squad is feels like it's a pretty important thing if they get like above five people that feels like it could be a little too much but yeah doing a real-time XCOM with aliens like i'm i can see that working mm-hmm so if you remember um, a while ago, 2015, apparently there was a fantasy strategy game, uh, kind of 4XE called Armello. Um, and the same people I that... reviewed it. Yes, right. It's that a board sense. game. That's the... Right. That's basically what it was. It was a, a video game board game. Right. Um, so those same people are making something called Solium Infernum. Um, which seems to be fairly 4XE um, and involve the uh, the fiends of hell. And uh, it certainly looks very pretty. Um, do we know anything more about that? So I think the basic premise is that you are a ru- you are a ruler in hell. You're not the ruler of hell, but you're a a, a ruler in hell competing against other archdemons or something presumably um they're actually the the marketing is billing it as a grand strategy game i'm not sure i've seen enough to that i would call it a grand strategy game um, i think I have quoted, we're just... quoted on their steam page 
We must have talked about it at some point. Before. It says one of the best games of the year, three moves ahead. The following quotes refer to the original Solium Infernum 2009 by Vic Davis. Uh, oh. I, oh. I was, would not have been on that episode. <laughs> yeah, no, that was... <laughs> That was my freshman year of college, so no, I I don't I didn't know what three domain was at that point. Yeah, but, uh, but um, apparently this is also a spiritual or direct sequel to uh, something that we as an as an institution have talked about, even though all the our ship of Theseus is yeah. completely different in terms of the actual let's, people here discussing things. Let's I, uh, let's retread the there is no institutional knowledge in games journalism discourse real quick for everybody. Um, yeah. What the, were you going to um, say, Mike? <laughs> um, I remember uh, I remember that episode um, obviously not being on it, but listening to it. And um, Solium Infernum, I, I knew I recognized the name, but it's such a different looking uh, game that I had no idea that they were connected. I just thought to myself, ah, oh, that must be, I, it was Solium something else, right? Um, but the original Solium Infernum um, was by Vic Davis, who um, I can't remember, uh, he did something else to that, uh, at least something else. Um, that uh that was interesting um armageddon empires um and solium infernum was a pretty bare bones looking game um which was just at least to me at the time really it it, it did such a good job of of establishing the theme of the the fiends of hell actually um struggling with each other and it was very um it had a very board game like design um so that actually makes sense now um that the uh the developers who are involved um had a, a a strong board game entry in the past um it was um the thing that i notice when when i play um games that have been translated from board games is that uh, of course because they were were board games um their their mechanics are much more straightforward and in front of you and you are meant to be able to reason about the numbers involved in a much more straightforward way um and also about sort of the phases of play so i don't actually remember if solium infernum was ever an actually physical board game but it definitely played like one, um, except for the fact that I remember the map was um, uh, it looped around in, in in both directions, right? So it wasn't exactly a board game, but um, there was definitely a lot of um, strategy thinking involved. Uh, that where those kinds of games where each phase of play really matters because you have to think about um all of the different ramifications of what each of the um each of the other players is doing so um you can see actually on on the steam page too uh there's a quote from uh quarter to three tom chick um from uh the previous incarnations of three move the head um and yeah that Go back and listen to that episode if you're interested. It, I, I remember it really clearly because I think it's a, it was a, a great episode. And um, 
if they manage to recapture what was going on there in uh in what they're doing here um i uh and i wish i had put this together before the show but it's it's really interesting that's really fascinating i hope that um i hope that does come out this year well, it does make sense if you're talking about how board gamey it was that they would get the or the Armello people would be interested in this or, you know, I don't know, cause and effect here. Um, yeah. Armello was a game that was very cute, very well designed, like in terms of video ga- game design, lots of potential hooks, and there was not really that much game there. Uh, so I understand they did a lot of expansions and got a good fandom and hopefully have learned how to get the depth that it sounds like this game sound uh feels like it it, the original version had and this one uh, this one is promising yeah yeah so if the the mechanics are certainly i think if my memory serves proved out in in that original and um if they're they're able to take that and and put a a skin of paint and and an interface on it that opens it up to a wider audience, um, I think this will be really cool. Actually, we should talk about Terra Nil, um, which is apparently a reverse city builder. Um, I think I played yeah. a um, an early yeah. version of this, maybe for another platform. Yeah, there's a an itch version of this. Right. Uh, yes. They're doing a, a bigger version. Um, we've talked about this on our on the City Builders show we did like like a year and a half ago. Uh, but I guess it still hasn't officially had its Steam release. But this is a very promising looking game, uh, just in terms of, you know, city builders often make these assumptions about the way things should work and this appears to be like a literal deconstruction of some of those assumptions and that's that's a very promising thing for this kind of uh a lot of these genres that can get kind of dug into their own nonsense um city builders are still doing fairly interesting things but they don't often engage with history and they don't often engage with environmentalism in a way that I think would make them more interesting games, if a lot more difficult to design. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. There's a playable demo of this that you can like check out right now. And uh, yeah, just challenging the assumption of what a livable environment looks like in terms of a built up metropolis I, I think is an important thing to do. <laughs> um, I'd love to see more city builders that are more about, you know, living harmoniously with your, uh, with your surroundings, or in this case, you know, it, taking places that have already been ruined and trying to bring them back to life, which given the world we live in is, is a cathartic experience. Um, so yeah. Um no release date other than 2023, but uh, you can play the demo right now and you can play the itch version. So I don't know if they're exactly the same or not, but uh, definitely, definitely one to keep an eye on. So now we're getting into the uh, the hooded horse section of the evening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so what, what is hooded on? horse? They showed up like a year and a half ago and now they basically have taken over all of the games that paradox used to publish. Yeah. Well, and like somebody, somebody at paradox, uh, 
said, oh, you play hooded horse games in between playing Paradox games. And I I just wanted to snark right back. Like, yeah, that's right. I am playing a lot of hooded horse games while I wait for you guys to fix Victoria 3. Um, <laughs> they, they have. They, they sort of they oh. seem like Paradox. I don't even want to like necessarily equate them directly to Paradox Publishing, because if you remember for a long time, Paradox Publishing was all over the place. Yeah. Um, John, like genre wise and Hooded Horse seems fairly devoted to like strategy and simulation, um, which Paradox has kind of trended in that direction over time. Um, but it is like, yeah, a lot of the games I'm most interested in <laughs> these days, they seem to be publishing. Um, if I wanted to to be like a real mean girl, I could say that they're kind. Of, they kind of seem like what Slytherin wishes that they were. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's fired. <laughs> Slytherin um, is so war game focused. Like they have yeah, some. Yeah, I think yeah. Like Slytherin's moving uh, in different directions now, but but I think yeah. I, I I get the sense that. They're probably very happy being who they are. Yeah, I I wouldn't. I don't think that that's like fully accurate slash fully mean. Uh, yeah, but you yeah, could be meaner you know, if just, you want. <laughs> no, that's that's about as mean as I'll get. Um, um yeah. So Hooded Horse uh, published uh, Terra Invicta, which we've talked about a whole bunch, um, and Old World, which we've talked about a whole bunch. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've announced or uh, made uh, made it known that um, there are a whole whack of strategy games that are coming out under their banner in 2023. Um, so uh, to avoid making this just the entire uh, uh, hooded horse show, um, we just picked out a few that that seemed kind of interesting. There's not a whole I lot wasn't of... involved in this discussion. I want to pick different games. <laughs> is, is there one we didn't have on the list that you really well, want to talk you, about? I had to add against the storm, which we'll get to when we get to the early okay. access stuff. Yeah. But Mars Tactics lead either capital or labor in an all-out war to control oh, Mars. Oh yeah. I've seen this. Yeah. I I I when you said that, I was like, yeah, I, I have seen this. There's so many. Uh, I wanted to list all yeah, of them, honestly. They, they are all potentially interesting. There's the War of Wrath, the Way of Wrath, which is like uh, uh, pulled out of Liana's psyche in order to fulfill her barbarian Viking dreams. Um, <laughs> I don't know those those can get a little pandery though sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Alliance of the Sacred Sons is a remake or reboot or whatever of a really fascinating 90s strategy game, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> no, I'm getting it confused with a different thing, but uh, this is the one that this is one of the ones that's trying to be Crusader Kings in space. Right? Yeah, yeah. Alliance of the Sacred Sons makes yeah. me feel like they they ground up Dune and put it in a blender and and shot it into their brain and then tried to make Crusader Kings, which sounds amazing to me. Um, a lot of these things, every, I think pretty much every one of these hooded horse games in the states that they're in, um, they all look like fantastic ideas that I don't really know if it's possible they're going to land the plane. Yeah. But, um, but if they do, and one of the, you know, the law of averages, some of these are going to probably be great. 
I mean, um, we love Against the Storm. We love Terra Invicta. Uh, we mostly really like Old World. Maybe some of us love it. Some of us are a little bit not I, quite I there, but I don't think anyone dislikes it. I have not played a game published from them yet where I was just like, yeah, this is this is a disaster. Um, the way that, you know, there would always be that one game at every Paradox Con where it was like, I don't know what they were thinking with this. <laughs> yes, and um, every single one of them was Prison Architect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but but like they seem to they seem to have an eye for something. I'm not sure exactly what it is that they are looking for, like what their their mission statement for this is this is our how we figure out what games are going to publish is, but they seem to have a very high success rate, at least with me. And it seems like with the, the three MA, you know, crew in general, um, they haven't really disappointed me yet. So I'll, 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 uh, <laughs> I'll do, I'll do just a bit. I'll do just a bit of, uh, of, uh, free PR for hooded horse. <laughs> in, <laughs> uh yeah so i i get where mike is coming from here like they're all of these seem a little bit too good to be true uh yeah 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 there's there's no way that one company can put out 15 strategy games that are aimed at exactly what we want and they hit the mark on that and yet (laughs) as of right now that appears to be largely the case yeah Um, yeah. It, so it, it yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but um, but that's that's great. I you know I, yeah. who cares about the rest of the market? Let's just sell games okay. to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Manor Lords actually had a pretty big pub public demo last year, and I was hearing good things about it. Um, I didn't have time to play it during the demo period, but I know a lot of people played it and liked it. So that's the other one that. Uh, yeah, so for people who don't know anything about Manor Lords, what yeah. is it in a sentence or two? Um, I mean, some people have been comparing it to Banished, but it seems like it's Banished with detailed like 3D cities you can actually walk around in and see people doing stuff. That was one of my biggest issues with Banished is you couldn't actually see people going around and doing stuff. And then there's you also could, like a they were just very small. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and there's also like a battle engine that looks almost like Mountain Blade, where you can have like formations of troops fighting in real time. Um, so that's kind of the big. How this is different from other city builders selling point, it seems like um, but you actually have to like make the equip. You have to like make enough helmets for your army and stuff like that. So it's all tied back into the economics and. You might not be able to equip, you know, a huge professional army. Uh, so you make do with what you have, um, which is an issue with even games like Bannerlord, where it just becomes way too easy to field. Uh, this is like the one good thing I will still stand up for uh, Thrones of Britannia <laughs> is that it forced you to use some lower tier units. Uh, I like I like a medieval combat game that forces me to use some bullshit peasant levies well into the late game um, because you yep. just can't economically support a giant unless you're Rome. 
you probably can't support a giant, well-equipped professional army. Total Warhammer 1 was really good at that, and the game slowly moved away from it with all their revamps, which is a somewhat of a disappointment to me, but I actually really liked how it forced you to use cannon fodder. Um, oh, well. There's a couple There's other... A mod. <laughs> <clears throat> um, there's a couple other uh, Hooded Horse games that I wanted to mention that got my attention. Uh, one is called Fragile Existence, um, which uh, without one particular aspect would maybe just look like another um, Space 4X. Um, but interestingly, uh, they actually, the um, the field of play includes both space and the surface of planets that are rendered like spherically in space. So you are seem to be going back and forth between um, being in space and, uh, and dealing with things on planet side without there being any kind of awkward transition or something like that. There seems to be mining going on and um, uh, land battles. So like, again, another entry in the category of if they can pull this off, this might be amazing. Um, and the other one that seemed interesting to me, um, if I had to pick some is called Espiocracy, um, which to me looks an awful lot like they took the Terra Invicta engine, um, and they decided to go back to the 1940s and focus on, um, covert actions during the war and the lead up. Uh, I don't know how that actually ends up working of course, because it's just some images and some ideas. Um, but I think that probably would work pretty well for a lot of people. This looks like one of those things where like, if it's part of the game, uh, if you have like a small mechanic or mini game, that's part of a larger game, it stinks. But if it's its own thing, it could work great. Um, my, go-to example for this is fishing uh there are lots of great fishing games but fishing mini games are always garbage uh espionage i'm glad you're on the right side of history with me on that one with you (laughs) this is this has been part of my core brand for over a decade i didn't i had no idea i i look look search for me on twitter with the hashtag ban fishing mini games oh i've i've always hated fishing mini games uh, stardew valleys is okay but the other ones, no, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Torchlight 2 was tolerable, uh, especially because you could just use dynamite and blow them all out of the water if you didn't want to do it in that moment. Um, anyway, yeah, espionage in most grand strategy games always feels tacked on, but if you make it the entire focus of your game and have it be a thing that's, you know, balanced with causes and effects, it looks like it starts with the Cold War and not with World War II, which might be easier for the scope. Um, oh, yeah. okay. I saw on somewhere the year 1945, but maybe... That would be the end of World yeah. War Two and the start of the Cold War. That so yeah. Would, yes, right. I'm I'm a smart person who is participating on a prestigious podcast about strategy. We need to we need to start putting trivia questions in our in our Discord invite. Yeah. yeah. The the uh, interview isn't going that well. Uh, no, it's uh, all good. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, like this is I I'm totally down with someone actually making a really good espionage only game. Uh whether it's yeah. this game, who knows? Yeah. I uh, yeah. Uh same thing as all of them. If they work, maybe it'll be great. Um and uh the last thing we have on our um middleweight division quicker hits uh list isn't a hooded horse game but it's uh the great war western front yeah when we were talking about company of heroes 3 i was like wasn't there a world war one rts coming out that we were confused about the economic system because like when it initially got announced it was unclear if they were just making a generic basecraft game with a world war one skin or if uh they were actually trying to make like a world war one um simulation strategy game and uh, the things they have said since then suggest that they're trying to make a an actual historical strategic war game using a real-time strategy style look and uh interface and i am skeptical but i'm less skeptical when than i was when i thought that you would be constructing barracks and sending troops into the trenches uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it yeah. looks interesting. Yeah, it does look look very nice. The maps um, are very readable. I, yeah. I give it points for that. World War One is just such a strangely compelling setting for a strategy game, um, because so many things about the modern world were like made real there, but. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. just as like a war, it's stupidly boring, um, like in terms of the tactics and the strategies used. Uh, they they dug some trenches and they stayed there for four years. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is like because people have talked for a long time about doing a World War One total war. And I just I don't know how you'd make it work like it because things were like things were so static for so long that like okay does a battle quote unquote battle represent a breakthrough or you're building up to make a breakthrough at a specific part of the line i don't even know maybe victoria's threes system will end up being the right way to portray that because it's more about how many economic outputs you can throw at a front line when Um, i first saw hearts of iron four i was like this engine would be amazing for a world world war one game because it's about, you know, trying to make the breakthroughs. It's about trying to bring your economy to bear. And, and there is a world war one. There is a world war one mod for hearts fire and four, but I don't like it very much. Unfortunately. Um, Yeah. You get into the game and immediately your units have the ability to manually build trenches wherever you want. And you will get overrun on the eastern front if you don't build trenches along every ounce of front line before the war starts. And it's like, this is not it's not how this should go. <laughs> maybe they've updated it since then. Maybe, maybe I should give it another look. I haven't played it in a couple of years, but yeah. All right. Our our long travel through 2023 is uh, coming to uh, its final part. But uh, that is about things that are coming out of early access this year. And there's a few interesting things. Um, Darkest Dungeon 2. I mean, I 
I've heard they were listening to the critiques made by people like me about how progression was not as interesting as the first games and also specifically like the way that it was built on relationships instead of individual psychology was not really working for generating good stories and they're really trying to work on those types of things so i am hopeful that like i've I've heard good things about the patches so far i think they just released a really big one that revamped a lot of uh just sort of how you interacted with the game. Um, I want it to succeed. I just did not feel like in anything except for graphics, there was a reason to play it over Darkest Dungeon 1 when it came out. Is it is it hewing pretty close to what Darkest Dungeon 1 is doing then? Uh, like, if Oh, you don't I, know I'm, anything about it? Well, I played Darkest Dungeon, and it wasn't really my cup of tea. And I know... Uh, it it was a cup of tea for a lot of people, but um. But you, but Darkest Dungeon two. Yeah, no, did epi- I, I didn't. You bother did a with whole it. episode on it. Did you I listen did. to the the early access episode that we did? I I didn't. Okay. So Dar- Darkest Dungeon two is trying to. Go ahead. Darkest Dungeon two is trying to be a much more narrowly focused game where you do basically runs of a few characters uh and like these runs are going to be like maybe four or five hours and a lot of people have called it darkest dungeon oregon trail because you're just taking a wagon on a quest across apocalyptic fantasy lands uh and it's also built a lot more on character relationships and another thing that's influenced by modern fire emblems i think um and i didn't really think that was working when the early access came out uh it was far too easy to have the relationships break down and also far too easy to just keep playing through that where in darkest dungeon one if you had someone who had a a mental break that was almost always assigned to bail um but this not really having a bail mode uh there's there's no reason to attempt to stop your progression through this. Uh, they hmm. a lot of the aspects of it didn't really like come together in the same way as Darkest Dungeon One had them. Um, but you know they're a smart team, and I don't think I was the only one who was somewhat disappointed by uh, how it how it came out of early access and. I, I am looking forward to giving it another try when they when they feel like they've got it right. Grand Tactician Civil War is on the list. Yeah, that, that'll be out of early access any day now. <laughs> okay, so in the i the uh, the the planning doc we had for the end of the year show that like you weren't able to make it to, you wrote. Grand Tactician, the Civil War with mods with like 35 exclamation points after it. Uh-huh. So I, I want to hear what what is up with Grand Tactician, the Civil War with mods? What are these mods? What do they do? Well, What's a- so great about them? <laughs> okay, so Grand Tactician, for those of you who didn't, weren't there for either of our Civil War shows we did over the summer, um, is a game that's basically attempting to do a paradox style version of the civil war plus 
tactical combat on highly detailed Civil War maps, but emergent battles, not like trying to replay existing historical battles. Uh, it's insanely ambitious for any kind of war game that I have ever seen. It works-ish. Um, <laughs> it, it takes a lot of house rules, especially if you're not using the main mod. The main mod is called AOM. Um, the AOM mod attempts to rebalance uh, basically everything that's not working, but because the game has so many different systems that kind of are tied to one another in multiple ways, you never know like what changing one in one place will do in another place. So uh, it's in fairly active development by the developers and it's in fairly active development by the modders trying to figure out how to clean up the messes that the developers have left with their insanely ambitious but not always well supported game they are putting out an expansion uh called whiskey and lemons that's focused specifically on uh the virginia front of the war and narrowing the focus down to the regimental level or Zoom allowing you to zoom in further to the regimental level. I think it's still going to be big battles, but also include uh, go to the regiments instead of brigades. So uh, it'll be uh, a lot more detailed in how many troops you have and how you can move them around, uh, which could also help the mods uh, in terms of being able to make the game more historical. Uh, a really interesting thing that I've noticed about the Civil War while like going all in on this process of figuring out how to make this game workable and fun is that being historical is generally the most fun that it can be. Uh, it's a very strange war in a lot of ways. So trying to get things to be relatively accurate usually means that the war ends up fair and the battles are more fun and more competitive. Whereas steamrolling for one side or the other, which could easily happen with the premise of the Civil War and the how the systems of this game work is not a good thing for for how this should work. Um, I've sort of come to the conclusion that the Civil War basically, the version of the Civil War that we had was basically the longest version of the Civil War that could be a decent war game. Um, so, yeah, I have, will probably continue playing this game. I might bring Rob back when the expansion comes out or something especially interesting seems to be fully balanced. But uh, you have to be a complete and total nerd like me to really, really go into this. It's not a thing that I would recommend entirely for a broad audience. But if you are willing to put in the effort, uh, it's pretty amazing that a game is at this detail level for the entire American civil war. I do. I do find quite a bit of uh, appeal to this idea of just like starting as some random officer and building your way up to like become yeah. grant. That actually does sound like a lot of fun to me. That part is a very interesting aspect of the expansion that it will probably make the game run a lot better. Um, the narrower the focus, the more you can tell the AI not to fuck up. 
that's the big thing is that the AI is just all over the place. Sometimes it does nothing. Sometimes it's constantly invading everywhere. Sometimes it has too few troops. Sometimes it has too many troops. Um, so yeah, being able to like just go into the battle level and focus on the game at that point to rise through the ranks, give yourself a narrative for like doing better within the game beyond just winning or losing the war. Um, these are these are things with a lot of potential. I'm I'm most interested in seeing the regimental level battles. I think the battle system, when it works, is like one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, and one of the big problems I have with the game overall is that it doesn't. So the brigades feel a little too big in how how brigades and regiments all put go into how the manpower works. Like this very detailed thing but basically the numbers are off and i think that going to a brigade level will help the numbers be on i'm canadian so all of this is is uh it doesn't make any sense to me anyway what are you talking about it's brand i did i did so, want to read i wanted to read rob's like back of the box quote that he came up with in the in the discord can you avoid episodes of demonstrable cowardice and or drunkenness on the field of battle long enough for your commanding officers and more senior peers to be killed <laughs> can you regress resist writing your local paper a jeremiah about the administration's conduct of the war keep up the good work and you might just make corps command or the presidency <laughs> that's that's uh yeah I mean, one of the one of the great things about the Civil War is that it's, it's extremely comic. Um, this is Rob, Rob helped kind of crystallize it, and I read a thing about how how troops in the Civil War did target practice and training and learned how to use their rifles, which is not at all like target <laughs> practice was not a thing in the Civil War. I, I went to like the weapons used in the American Civil War Wikipedia, and there was a quote about like the one time a regiment tried to do target practice. Three of the soldiers wounded themselves, and one of them <laughs> got a heart attack and died. Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. Was it just like a hobby thing that people did on weekends, and that's why they still do that kind of? Well, all the, the sharpshooters were like varmint hunters from Kentucky and stuff, right? right. Like that's you know right there there were sharpshooters and eventually i assume people use the rifles enough to know generally kind of where they were pointing and how that might work but like one of the things one of the things with the game uh, one of the problems with the vanilla version specifically is that they're using like the technical specifications of the guns and they're saying like this gun could hit something from 500 yards yeah but if you're giving it to a, a brigade of 1500 people who literally never fired them before that's not a range that's useful for simulating a battle <laughs> oh, oh boy well, all right we should probably we should probably move on <laughs> yeah may, maybe maybe we'll all get pulled into this rabbit hole and end up doing uh, another show on uh, it what the one last thing, Mike, uh, the people who make the game are European and the people who make the mod, like the main one is Swedish. So oh, I, I don't amazing. understand why they would be into it like this. <laughs> uh, it is a very, a very interesting war in a lot of ways. And I guess it's not that different from an American being into Napoleonic bullshit. Yeah. But 
we're all into yeah. three kingdoms here and none of us are Chinese. That's true. So, no. Yeah. No, I, I think there's probably tons of aspects of the civil war that are probably very interesting. And it's just, it's just this huge blind spot to me because we don't learn anything about it in school here. It's not part of the just sort of, I don't know, common sense culture that gets inculcated in you when you're growing up. So it, I don't know. I, I and yet so you have our civil war descended culture wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's thank that you, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the Iron Oath is coming out. <laughs> we did a we also did an early access show on that one. Um did we? I feel like we, we talked did. about it. it on, we talked about it on something. I think that was when Nier joined and we just kind of had a general chat, but I don't think we did a full show on it. Maybe maybe it was one of those we talked about doing an episode about it for a long time and then didn't. I, I think Nier is the <laughs> only one who's played it. Okay, which... May, yeah. Maybe it was like a roundup show. You might be right. Yeah. Um, so the uh, Iron Oath is a uh, tactical squad-based uh, RPG kind of hybrid thing. Um, mercenary that... simulator. Hmm. With uh, very pretty pixel art, um, and it—I think it has been in early access for about a not quite a year. Yeah, um, this is a game that when Nir mentioned it on our show, I was like instantly like, "How have I not heard of this? This looks like you know one of the dream games. It looks like Battle Brothers done shinier, better." Uh, iterated upon at the very least the pixel art is really really surprisingly interesting and good for a kind of mid-level low-level you know single a or double a game um i guess it is it is a humble published so that's that's a double a uh but yeah it's looks like the sort of game that we would absolutely adore if and when it gets into the right the right place for us and uh that hasn't really been quite yet uh near is keeping an eye on it along with phantom brigade which is another one that we're very excited about when when it becomes worth being excited about right right i think i think the issue phantom brigade i think the issue with this game was that it was like a five a five chapter game and only the first chapter was in early access. So that's, that's part of why I waited. Um, but as it gets closer to coming out, it'll be more, more ready for just going all in. A game that is coming out of early access that I know we did a show on is songs of conquest. Um, uh, Len, have you been following any of the, um, updates and and uh things that they've been working on since we did that show yeah so i talked about this on the the 2022 wrap up and i don't have anything else like new to say about it i mean i played the early access what did you think of the because you weren't on the the episode we did about it right i thought i was maybe i don't remember i was on one of the it might have been on the roundup one and then we went further but yeah Um, so songs of conquest is a heroes of might and magic like and heroes of might and magic as a series has kind of gone 
they haven't gotten the magic right. Um, and some of it is just like when you take these games in the 3D with big cutscenes and full voice, they move a lot slower. They're less interesting. Uh, Songs of Conquest is a retro style Heroes of Might and Magic wannabe. Uh, we did a show on it. We generally liked it and thought there was a lot of promise. Um, it's just... I'm not the biggest Heroes of Might and Magic person, so I almost completely forgot that it wasn't even the full game when we played it. I think it's a, another situation like the Iron Oath where there are multiple parts of the campaign and we only got like the first the first two or three sections of the campaign in the early access. Um, I would like to go back and focus on it, but knowing myself and that that's not my absolute favorite form of strategy design. I'm a little bit skeptical uh, of my own motivations here. All right. There's just a couple more uh, that we wanted to call out that are coming out of early access. And one of them is got a note beside it that says, how did we miss this? It's, uh, it's called War Tales. Um, it's been in early access for uh, a little over a year. Um, and that it's another um, uh, squad-based tactical RPG um, and focusing on mercenaries. Um, and it's, it seems to have some interesting uh, looking um, squad-based tactical... <laughs> Play, did we, so. did we who, really never who made these notes? I made these notes. Did we, we made never them talk... collectively? <laughs> no, I, I made the note about how did we miss this? Did we talk about this before? And I just wasn't paying attention. I, I haven't seen this game before. Like, okay. you're not wrong that we missed it. I just don't know where you got the idea that we've talked about every single one of these. I think maybe if you, I guess if you thought we did an Iron Oath show. Uh, we definitely we talked about Iron Oath on the Discord or in like a, a wrap up yeah. show. I, I know that. Yeah. All these other ones I know we have at least mentioned from having edited. All of I, the I just don't know what all yeah. these other ones are. Like there's Battle Brothers yeah. and there's Iron Oath. Uh. Yeah, no. Um, so War Tales looks like a Len game. I've heard some people compare it to like uh, Mountain Blade with more RPG mechanics. And obviously it's a turn-based tactical squad combat rather than giant real-time battles. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe just because it was filed under RPG, it slipped under our under the three MA radar. Um, that this seems looks really possible. cool. This looks really yeah. cool. <laughs> I want to check it out. There are so many games, Land. There are like at least ten games well, out there. But now. it's Shiro. That's the other thing. That's yeah. what blew my mind. It's Shiro Games, who made one of my favorite RTSs of the last five years, Northgard. And one of my favorite games of last year, Dune Spice Wars. And I'm like, oh, they're also making this like tactical mercenary RPG that's been in early access for over a year. And I was like, how the how in the world did I not know this existed? Now we now we've got the got this figured out because these are these are real time strategy games. And I just like Shiro. What's that? I don't know. No, I'm like not- like I like their them enough now that I would almost like just buy anything that they made sight unseen or at least give it a try and uh this is out you could buy this you could be playing this instead of talking to us i I could (laughs) um so i'll definitely be giving that one a look um especially when it comes out of early access 
which is supposed to be sometime this year. So yeah, um, no, the, I mean, we loved Battle Brothers, but Battle Brothers had a lot of issues, just even just in presentation, and uh, you could do a lot more with the idea. So any attempts at doing that again, doing it right. Oh, Battletech's another one that mm-hmm. if you played the like version of it without the story and you were, you were just kind of a mercenary group wandering around. Uh, that's, that's also in this vein. Um, and there's just a ton of promise for that for any kind of tactics game. So yeah, go for it. Go Shiro games, yeah. whoever you are. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're very good. They're very good at what they do. Um, All right. Uh, let's talk about Against the Storm quickly. I think we did a show on that one. That one I yeah. know we did a show yeah. on. <laughs> we, we did a show on Against the Storm. This is, this is easily the most promising city builder since the days of Banished and City Skylines. Like, this is... Uh, has mixed the city builder with a kind of Slay the Spire roguelike kind of structure that just works incredibly well. Um, it's already one of my favorites, and when the full release comes out, I'm going to try to get a review and give it a very high score unless they totally fuck it up and say that it is one of the most interesting and best city builders to come out in a long-ass time. That uh, seems like yeah. a good way to wrap things up. We just have one last thing to do, which is, unfortunately, I think it's going to start being a tradition because I have this sinking feeling. But uh, uh, Phantom Brigade. Phantom Brigade. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Phantom Brigade is something that I would certainly love to see come out and might supposedly come out of early access this year. Um, it is a uh, uh, pausable, we go, simultaneous action, uh, turn-based mech game, I believe. Um, and it looks fantastic. It Everything moves properly. I want to click the buttons, um, but I cannot because it's not out. So... Well, you can. Um, it's just in early access, and it well, sounds like really, really important things are still missing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like pilot relationships, because every game is Fire Emblem Awakening now, <laughs> as it should be. <laughs> I want to. Uh, make, I don't care what your game is about. I want to make them kiss. So <laughs> seems seems like reasonable. Ask. But also, like this is this is part of the mecha genre, right? Right. It's, Especially it's not, if it's a mecha game. It's not just about the robots. It's also about the people in the robots and how they get along and whether they're sane or whether they're trans or what. I, I don't exactly. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It's fundamentals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, that's another one that Nier is keeping an eye on for us. And it we, we want it to be the thing that it's been promised and it's slow going, but hopefully they get there. Um, all right, Rowan, is there anything that, uh, you want to call out as your, uh, favorite thing that you want to look forward to in 2023 or something that we missed? I mean, like I said, against the storm is, uh, 
I, I set that at the bottom of the early access section just so that I could end on saying, yeah, this is this is a game that's going to be special. It already is special. Um, of the games that I just learned about today, uh, uh, one of those hooded horse ones. I don't even remember which one. Uh, but All of them? They, they, they could just send me the codes for each of those, and that would probably be sufficient for shows for the year, right? I think we do pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Len, what is your uh, star highlight of things to come in 2023? I mean, the, one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to is uh, actually Victoria 3 coming out of Early Access, <laughs> uh, which it is not sold as an Early Access game, but it is currently an Early Access. It's it's like a beta. Um, you know, <laughs> it came out in 2022, but I don't think 2022 was the year of Victoria 3. I think 2023 is going to be the year of Victoria 3. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just, you know, getting getting the tune up that it needs getting maybe an, an, an expansion or two and uh being as excited to play it again as as i was the first time i booted it up um uh i also did you, you added a very small note at the bottom here i do did want to also mention ixion uh as a game that came out too late for any of us to have time to play it in 2022 um uh but that it's the steam reviews say it's kind of like frost punk in space I am looking forward to playing this. Um, I know there's always at least one of those. Like I, it was Suzerain uh, for 2021, where it just came out so late that we didn't end up playing it. And then we all played it. And we're like, this rules. Let's do a show on it. And I could definitely see Ixion being that game. We have some other patrons who have been pretty positive about it as well. I think it also <laughs> needed some patches. Oh that's, yeah, that's what I remember. I thought it was early access. In fact, so I'm a little surprised that it was the was the full release. Yeah, um, you you reminded me of the other thing that I wanted to mention regarding Paradox was that I want to know what the hell Hairbrained is working on. Uh, the Shadow Run games were uh, a little up and down in quality, but when they were good, they were really good. And then where we loved BattleTech, but BattleTech had some particularly technical flaws that. Uh, kept it from being like what we really wanted and we would love BattleTech 2 but they're not doing BattleTech 2 so I'm very keen to see what they're working on hopefully this year but if it's not ready for this year then whenever Mike did you have a, a favorite? Yeah I uh, now that I had my little revelation about Solium Infernum it's now something <laughs> I am definitely looking forward to that uh it, it's really fantastic that that was mined out of the uh out of the earth and uh turned into this uh this new release so that's that's very cool um and i think that's probably going to do it for this week um this episode was produced by liana hafer and who cool. i'm going to do that again actually <laughs> <laughs> go for it uh, this episode was produced by Liana Hafer. Three who? Moves Ahead is hosted on. Wait, did you say who? I'm I'm just trying to trip you up. Just uh. keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
just just delete my entire track. It's it's simpler that That's way. That's what we were gonna do anyway. Okay. So, no, okay. you're you're fine. <laughs> uh, this episode was produced by Liana Hafer. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can Who? check us out. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm leaving. This is all going in. This is all staying uh, in the cut. This is all, no. Great. Where is it hosted? Tell us where it's hosted. I don't know where it's hosted anymore. I've forgotten everything. <laughs> Everything's been ruined because of this. Listeners <laughs> like you. Listeners yeah. like you. Go on Patreon. I, I, was trying to, I was trying to start from the top again so that you could just have a single thing that you could just take. But, you know. This is okay. more entertaining, though. This, that's, uh, that's what's important. Is People will really remember it this time. <laughs> we're going to well, get for at this least far, $3 if, in if, donations. If we're this far off track, I'm going to take a moment to mention to everybody, if you haven't played Shadowrun Dragonfall, you really should. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> there we go. I agree. That's a great, it's a great RPG. Um, uh, right. So we're hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network, which you can check out at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Uh, we are also on Twitter um, while it's still intact at 3MA. Um, and the show is supported by patrons on Patreon while that's still running. Um, we're at patreon.com slash 3MA. You don't need to give me an ex- existential crisis this late <laughs> in the show. <laughs> They backed There's off not, of the NFT shit, right? I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> yeah. The performance on Patreon is so terrible that I constantly just wonder if it's all going to collapse sometimes. Sometimes it just doesn't renew my things and I have to like screw Yeah, so, sometimes it won't load the inbox either. So if you've sent messages to the 3MA inbox and I haven't been able to access them, I apologize. <laughs> Because it just like won't load the inbox, so I don't know. Maybe the whole internet is breaking and we're all gonna die. Might might be good for us all in the end. Um, <laughs> if you do sign up, you will get bonus shows. There's uh, Rob and Troy do a monthly movie show, which uh, lots Ooh. of people enjoy. I I don't know. <laughs> it's just written in front of me. I, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Um, <laughs> uh You'll also get on our Discord server, and sometimes we try to play multiplayer games there with everybody. Um, once in a while, it even happens. Um, so for Leanna Hafer and for Rowan Kaiser, this is Mike Gillis saying goodnight. Who?